Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. I'm really excited to introduce to you a new friend of mine, Mark Aberti, who is just doing some amazing things, supporting entrepreneurs to get their wisdom and their products and services out to reach the wider world. And I'm just excited to share him and his knowledge with you today. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So how did you get into this space and sort of can you share with our guests a little bit your background and sort of what brought you to breakthrough success? Sure. So it started with me as a blogger, just doing like hobby stuff. I created a whole bunch of different blogs just around whatever topic interested me. But it was through that where I saw the business side of it. And I saw how people want to get their product in front of more customers. They want to get their visibility for the message that they have. So I saw this and I realized this is what I want to help people with. So that evolved into me going into content marketing, self-publishing, and all the different things that I'm doing now. And podcasting, I'd always seen it as this opportunity. You connect with people, you get to learn a lot. Audio is a booming content type. But I tried twice to start a podcast. I had no idea how to do it, and it just didn't work. So Breakthrough Success was my third attempt at starting a podcast. I said, let me reach out to five people invite them to be on my non-existent show. I have no idea how to interview people. I have no idea how the tech works. And the moment I got my first yes, I had to hustle very quickly to figure out how to do a show. Nothing like holding yourself accountable, right? It's like, okay, I said I'm going to do it. Now I have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, that's awesome. And you've really, you've touched on sort of the really, you know, what they're talking about, the perfect suite for content marketing and sort of it's a little bit of everything. Now, there's not just one thing that gets your voice out. There's not just one way to reach your tribe or to build a community around your doing. What do you think for you has been sort of the greatest touch point or the greatest sort of the greatest assets in terms of touch points with your tribe? So the biggest one is definitely the email list, just because I've been on social networks, I've been on platforms that so the social network changes algorithm or the platform just goes defunct. So email list is that one thing you can always keep. And to me, that's why I prioritized email list. I use all my other stuff to get more email subscribers because YouTube can change tomorrow. Podcasting can change tomorrow. Anything can change tomorrow that isn't your own platform. So true. And yet, I mean, you hear so much about people saying that People don't open emails anymore. And Gen Z doesn't even use email. Although now with you know the current situation that we're all trying to get familiar with, email seems to be the one consistent, at least to send it's sort of the the first point of contact to tell you where to connect elsewhere. So do you think that that is something that's changing? Or do you think that that's something that may, you know, has always been there and we're just sort of re-recognizing that that's and a vital part of our communication. I, I think email's just always going to be important. Like I feel like people sometimes they want like a clickbaity type of a headline. Like the, I, I've gone through blog posts for five years telling me about how blogging is dead. 
And it's like, I can't wait for 2021, 2022, 2023 to read that next blogging is that article written on a blog by some successful blogger. And I can't wait to hear email marketing is dead. I can't wait to hear podcasting is dead. I can't wait to hear YouTube is dead. All these things are going to be dead and they're going to be posted on all the platforms that are supposed to be dead. So all of these content mediums are important. YouTube is important. Video is important. Audio and email is important. And email is where you actually own the audience, as I mentioned before. So I just feel like all these content mediums are alive and well. It's just a matter of how you use them that gets the results. It's easy to say something is dead if the results don't match up with what you want. And, oh, it's dead. Oh, well, like I I just picked (laughs) the wrong platform. So I just think it's a little... To say the email list is dead is not true. Interesting. And do you think that there's a a sort of a magic blend or a magic sort of, I I don't know, sort of the recipe based on your audience as to how often you send it and sort of length of email? Or does that really depend on what kind of content you're delivering? I definitely think it depends on the content and your audience. I like to go for at least one email a day because I feel like people get so many emails anyway. Like I feel like there's this tendency for people thinking, you know, don't over email my audience. But people who unsubscribe, they were never really gonna like be a big presence in your audience anyway. Like people who unsubscribe, like you have to understand the mindset of an unsubscriber. Someone who unsubscribes and is like, I'm done with this person. I don't want this person's content. That's not the type of person who's going to be an engaging person in your community. So to me, being able to email once a day to really get in front of my core audience and just overlook the people who unsubscribe because they're just done with my content or they just don't want all this information constantly thrown at them. They've got a whole bunch of like hundreds of emails coming each day. So like length, like that's just, you got to test to see what your click-through rates look like and see how people engage with their emails. Interesting. I mean, I find this fascinating because I'm one of those people that, and, and granted, it's part of what I preach when I'm teaching is, you know, sort of minimize the amount of notifications and the amount of extra noise. Now, that's not to say that I don't, I mean, I read my email. I really don't uh, sign up for many newsletters. In fact, I've you know discontinued most of them just because I don't have the time to read them all. But the few that I keep connected to are the ones that are absolutely vital for me. And you know, I am very engaged with them. And I think there, there is that delicate balance of like adding value. It's not just that you send something every day. It's that you send something that's a value. And I would imagine your audience, because you're about really taking action, they need those action tips every day. Am I right about that? Or Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely focused on, you know, action oriented, like, you know, I could just throw a bunch of content at you, but then it's like, you got to do something with it. like, that's where I see the like, most fulfillment where I give someone like, you know, these are your five steps, someone comes back to me, this is like the five steps I've done. So that's the type of interaction I really enjoy the most. And you should get it to the point where, you know, some people are going to be like, you know, that's too much content, stuff like that. And, you know, they're just not a good fit. But they're going to be people who, if you post that much content, they're going to be like going on your YouTube channel, scrolling, trying to refresh until you come out with a new piece of content, checking on you every hour. That's the type of audience you want. The ones that they are like, if you miss a day, they're like, you missed a day. Where are like, you been? We, like, <laughs> you want that audience. Yeah. Yeah. No. So it's, it's true. 
we all aspire to have that kind of an audience and lucky you for having one. Or I shouldn't say lucky you, You've, you have you know, cultivated that and it's a craft and that's an amazing thing. So is that something that you feel you sort of just, you know, it was a question of just testing and trying or did you study under any particular mentors that really helped you follow that path and, and understand what sort of is the magic mixture in order to reach your audience appropriately? That's two things. It is continuous testing because, you know, with emails, like you want, like what's going to give you that extra 10%, like emailing to unopens, that is the easiest way to just get more people to open your emails. Like YouTube, we've got click-through rate. We've got all these different stats that matter. But the thing that a lot of people forget to do is think about their content consumption and who are the YouTube channels, bloggers, podcasters who you constantly search for and go back to again and again and again for content. Who are those people? Why do you keep going back to those people? And even if they aren't like, I'm the guy who like, you know, this is what you do with your content. Like I, I give you the, that type of stuff, but there are successful content creators who they don't say it, they do it. So, you know, one of the things, you know, collaborate with other YouTubers, that's a YouTube strategy. And there are people who they won't tell you that, but you will see them collaborate with other YouTubers. So just pay attention to what some of your favorite content creators are doing and why you go back to the same people again and again. So, I mean, to that point, there are a lot of incredible content creators out there. And right now, people are either, you know, searching for new ways to get the content that they need, the ways to connect with their community. They're, it's sort of an unfamiliar territory for people. And I think one of the things that would be really interesting and I think very helpful for people is to understand sort of how do you discern quality from just noise and how do you find the right resources so that you can, you know, particularly for people who aren't working in this space and haven't really been in, you know, they're sort of like, wow, there's, you know, the whole world of YouTube, there's all of these different channels, there's all this different, all this great content, but it's hard to know what's, you know, what's good stuff, what's What's going to really help you? And of course, each individual is different in each company and, and school and whatever is going to have different needs. But what's a good, what's your way that you sort of filter for quality? So the way I filter for quality is I know that who's going to see my content. I know it's going to be authors. I know it's going to be content creators. So right there, I have that this is the audience I'm supposed to serve. I'm an avid runner. I love running. I do half marathons and marathons. Doing a video about how to run faster is going to be valuable to some people, but that's not what my audience knows me for. So I'm going to be the guy who says, this is how you sell more books. This is how you use virtual summits. That's going to be the stuff I do because I've already defined my audience. So quality content is really just in the eye of the beholder because I'm going to like stuff that you're not going to like, you know, be as into and vice versa just because we have different interests. But knowing who your avatar is gives you that focus point for who are you creating the content for. And then it's just a matter of fulfilling all of those questions, wants, desires of that avatar. So to the point of the avatar, we've been having a lot of conversations recently, uh, even in our own household, about the poor quality of a lot of the education delivery and and it's partially due to the fact that most of the teachers are not familiar with delivering in an online format. And so they're trying to deliver sort of their traditional, their, their curriculum that they normally deliver and just basically posting it online and saying, okay, here, basically learn this, regurgitate it, 
and we'll move on. And that doesn't work in an online platform. And how can we help them understand the avatar that they're delivering to better, which is, you know, is their students, but how do we help them understand that? And also, based on your experience doing virtual summits, what are some of the ways that we can help people in education really deliver in a format that people will really listen to and is going to be engaging? So I'll give some tips, definitely. The first thing I'm going to recommend is look for that YouTuber who has millions of subscribers who is in education and see what they're doing. Mm. But my advice is going to be, I feel like a lot of people, they just do talking head all the time. Like, this is me. This is my background. This is all the stuff. And, and that's just like the thing people look at for the 45-minute class or whatever mm. it may be. So what really works well for getting a higher retention rate. Now, the thing with, you know, a class is you're going to get a hundred percent retention rate just because that's just the nature of the classroom. But, you know, stats that say a hundred percent, like, you know, like how much knowledge do the students retain? That's the more important thing. So when it comes to creating that type of atmosphere, it's important to do pattern interrupts. So like when you say something like, like the cell, and you want to say like, you know, the mitochondria, the endoplasmic reticulum, that this thing. And instead of like, you know, telling people what each of those things are, like have a picture of like the cell, like all those things, like nuclear and all that stuff. And by having that kind of a diagram makes it easier for students to go through. Now, then after you finish talking about that, you go on to your next thing, you go back to talking head, but you do need to have more of those pattern interrupts that paint the picture, even video snippets, rather than just the talking head. That's why I feel like most people mess up with the engagement for their videos. I love that. And I think that's a really important point. And, and even in leadership and business meetings, same thing. If you've got a Zoom, you're, you know, you're leading a Zoom conference, you don't want to just sit there and talk. It's just like, the same thing of, you know, showing a PowerPoint and reading off of the slides. You're not adding any value to have that, you know, those two different pieces. But if you have an image that you can speak to or a video, something that's animated, that pattern interrupt allows for a different way of interpreting what's being delivered. And I think that's a really, really important point that, uh, that could be really helpful, both in the delivery, but also I'm thinking, you know, for students and for in response from the teams, to have them actually use those same tools in their way of responding, saying, yes, I get it, you know, so whether that's like, you know, they draw a picture or they, you know, create something that actually utilizes a lot of that pattern interrupt as well, it shows that they're actually understanding what's been said. And I would also say be different because I think in that image of, you know, the boring PowerPoint presentation, I think all of us just conjured up an image of our head of what that's like. <laughs> so we all know that scenario. So when it comes to like a YouTube video or when it comes to a teacher teaching, like we know what it looks like. It's just like the same talking head over and over again, like pictures and diagrams make it better, but creating that different experience gets the extra attention. So being able to like one of the things that some YouTubers do is they incorporate some musical snippets in their videos. Like when you hear like some background music for like a second or two seconds, and there's a bunch of different ways to do this, but try and conjure up in your head. What is that normal experience like? 
uh, you know, like the person just looking at their PowerPoint presentation, reading word for word, standing in one central location. The engaging speakers, they're the ones who get the audience to like stand up and do jumping jacks and like that type of stuff that you don't really see people do very often. So think about that perspective as well when you're creating content. Such a good point. Such a good point. And so, I mean... So the the point of this, of my podcast, of Evolving Digital Self, we talk about the human relationship with technology and how that's changing the way we work and live. And the whole area of content delivery has completely changed, particularly since the advent of the iPhone. I mean, the internet was obviously something that, you know, gave us the opportunity to go everything beyond the book, right? We have a much wider reach. We can have this dynamic content. We can engage with the dynamic content. We can do interviews with people that are sitting in the other side of the country, like you and I, where we're going through a mediated format, but it feels like, hey, you're sitting in my living room and we're having a conversation and I'm sharing my cup of coffee with you. You may not be able to smell it, but you can share the experience of it, right? So you you may not have been working when we were, you know, pre-internet, but you've definitely seen a lot of the evolution because, you know, it's gone faster and faster as we move on. What are some of the things that you have seen in terms of your clients where there may have been some resistance to technology that has been either a hindrance for them or an opportunity? And what are some of the the tips that you might give to help people understand how to get past those hiccups or to really embrace some of the technology that will make their content delivery easier? I mean, I definitely see it. There are people who, you know, they just want help with all the different parts. Like I help people with their podcasting. Like usually it's more of a coaching role, but there are people who say, I just want help with the tech. I want you to do all this tech for me. I don't want to learn it. And for some people that's fine. But if you are someone who wants to learn the tech, then I would just say, figure out one tool that you need, whether it's for a podcast or for like self-publishing and just actually play with the tool. I feel like there are a lot of people who They'll say like, I can't do this tech or I don't know how to do the strategy or tactic. And they don't even try to use the tool. So I would say if you try to use the tool, you try to figure it out without any assistance. Now you can, you know, watch a YouTube video that gives you some type of tutorial. But if you figure out that one tool, it becomes easier to figure out the other tools because they all like software usually has like the similar type of setup. Like you have your dashboard, you have your menu. The menu tells you where you have to go. I mean, once you get comfortable on one software platform resource tool that you have no idea what you're doing with, you're just going to get more comfortable because they're all, they all have like a similar type of approach. Absolutely. I think one tip that I love that I use personally when I'm trying to learn a new software or a new, a new program is basically I will run the YouTube video on my iPad or in my phone to the side. Because then you can pause it as you're going on, but you have that whole, you have your whole screen to play with and you're not trying to manage the video at the same time as the application or the software. And we sometimes forget that simple exercise of pushing pause. Like you don't have to go as fast as the instructor is going. You can do like, okay, here's one section, like stop, pause. Okay, I'm not sure I understood that. Play it back again. And then, you know, go through and pause and then take it on. and. I think it's one of those things that we forget to do in a lot of areas of learning of just, it's okay to pause and it's also okay to rewind. And and that rewind when it's in a face-to-face interaction is, wait a minute, I'm not sure I quite got that. Can you explain it again? 
But you can still do that in a virtual environment. Maybe not if it's fully live, but there's, you know, if you if you aren't a live streaming, there's often the opportunity to watch it in a recorded after the event as well. And to that effect, I want to talk a little bit about your work with virtual summits, because I think this is something that's it's a new area for a lot of people, but I think we're going to see a lot more of these coming up because it's a great way for people to really you know, talk, get much deeper into the subject of any particular part of content and to really cultivate a community of people that, you know, that are experts in a certain area. And I think this is not just important for brand experts, but also for, you know, any company that is interested in really owning their topic. Yeah, I mean, it's not just for content marketers, digital marketers, it's really for anyone, especially, I mean, Virtual summits were hot before social distancing, but now they just become so much more important during this time in history because it is a way to create that experience of a conference with conferences all around the world getting canceled, the Olympics getting postponed, all these different things happening. And the virtual summits, I mean, right now is an incredible time to be doing them. And that's just going to start a new wave for that type of business. It really is. And I think it's intimidating for people who have never done it before. Can you just give a little bit of background? Because I'm not sure everybody understands what we mean by a virtual summit. So I think you probably explain it better because this is sort of your, you know, your, your expertise, but I've been fascinated by them and definitely want to be trying them. But can you just give a, a, a brief sort of umbrella overview of what is a virtual summit and, and how does it work? So for a virtual summit, it's similar to a podcast, like a lot of speakers, like they'll sometimes think they're on a podcast or on the virtual summit. So you interview a bunch of people, you put it into one portal. And then for people to get access to those, you enter your name and email address to get access for like three days. Lifetime access requires a lifetime pass, which is a paid offer. So that's like, in a nutshell, how the virtual summit space works. You can get more creative, like do panels, workshops, action steps, things like that. So it's not just interviews, but that's pretty much what a virtual summit is. Nice. And I mean, so essentially we're, you're sort of replicating a live event, but in a virtual environment. So obviously the idea of having a coffee break, for example, is, is and that kind of breakout may be a little more complex. And yet we're trying to find ways to make that work too. Do you see that in the future we'll be able to maybe even have the breakout coffee break sessions as part of virtual summits where you catch that water cooler conversation? Or do you think that the virtual summits will still be sort of a couple people talking and then everybody else is listening? I mean, you can set up a virtual summit atmosphere where you do have those types of conversations. You can position people in Facebook groups, you can create like different, like there's different ways to create that type of atmosphere. So it's more than just content consumption. It's also attendees getting to know each other. It's all based on like what kind of setup you have, the more intricate you do on your back end, the more possible it is for attendees to interact with each other. Very cool. We've been interested uh, recently, I've been in a lot of conversations about holograms and sort of, we, we need to move that technology further forward so we can get to a place where, you know, you put on your, your VR glasses and you're, you know, you have sense, you, you maybe put on a VR suit. So you're basically in 
the environment and you can engage with people physically and see them. And but at this point, we haven't really done that beyond you know sort of some sort of high you know high tech uh, space you know futuristic environments. We're certainly not using that for classrooms yet. But I think that there you know there is some really interesting potential because at this point it is just delivery through a screen. But hopefully we'll be able to get out of our houses and actually interact face to face in not too distant future. So, but maybe it'll push the technology forward anyway. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I wanted, I usually love to just find out a little bit more. You did talk about your running, but I love to hear what, what you do in terms of self-care that might be either using technology or turning technology off. What do you do for yourself in terms of digital well-being? Are there any particular tools or apps that you like to do to use? And how do you see digital well-being for yourself? Because you are in a very digitized world, your world of work. So for me, when I'm working, I'm working. I'm just thinking of, you know, getting the next thing done, making sure that everything is aligning. For the well-being side, running is such a big part of that. I mean, I do a lot of half marathons and marathons. I take that side very seriously. I ran in high school and college. Uh, but what I also do is I don't really use tools. I just put the phone down. I close the computer. And just like having that time away from technology allows me to be more reflective in my thoughts. It allows me to not feel like, you know, like like nine to five, like some people see that as like a hamster wheel or something like that. Like the technology is the same thing though. Like if you are on it so long, you could feel like you never really finish all the things you're supposed to do. Like email alone is like, you're never really finished with that. So you're going to have to just deal with like not, feeling like you finish, like there's always something to do. So that's why it's like, I acknowledge that I'm okay with that. I put the phone down, I close the computer, and then I go back to work after a little break. Do you use any uh, like RunKeeper or any of those trackers that will help you identify sort of what your route was or your pace or anything? Or do you like to go? I just use a Garmin. You use the Garmin. I just okay. use a watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's a lot of great technologies out there that you can use and, and some of them, everything from, you know, tracking your heart rate to uh, actually tracking your runs so you can share it with other people and sort of the social aspects. But Garmin seems to be, for runners, that seems to be a favorite. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. And how can folks find you if they want to work with you and learn more about your virtual summits or your podcast? How can they find you? So my podcast, I have three, Breakthrough Success, Profitable Public Speaking, Ditch the Job, so just suggest choose the one that seems to make the most sense. And then Mark Guberti, that's my name. You put it in YouTube, you dot com it, you put it in all these different places and you'll find my work. Awesome. Well, I highly recommend if you enjoyed today's show, please look up Mark's work. He's doing some really cool stuff and he's a great guy, as you've heard. Definitely support him and his work. We're going to need a lot more of Mark and his followers in the near future. So thank you so much for joining us today, Mark, and thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us. And if you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already. It helps other people find us, and it helps us know what you like and what you want more of. Thanks again for today, and we look forward to next week. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. 
While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.